you millennials, you celebrate was, every little stupid thing. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> you do. Oh, my God. My son went to the bathroom on the toilet for the first time. Let's have a party. Well, we did. You know, you know we do clap for that. Yeah, you're I, right. I, the millennials nowadays, they have parties. They yeah. invite all the kids yeah, over. They hire it does a get clown. A little, it does get a little making silly. Making balloons. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not a pro shop user. No, you're not. They're a great sponsor of ours. And we hear a lot about pro shop from you, Jim. And one thing that's kind of surprising to me in, in a really good way for them is as I travel, I spend about a third of my life on the road. Yeah. As I travel, this year I've had like three or four different companies yeah. that are all either using ProShop and have amazing things to say about really? it. Really? Or they're like one time I walked in and they were telling me, yeah, that's ProShop on the screen, but we're just like analyzing which ERP we were going to search They're blowing to. up, Nick. I mean, seriously. I know. I mean, just from talking to Paul, he's a busy man and you're just hearing about him everywhere. I was like, look, I don't use ProShop, but everyone I know who does absolutely loves it. So, But in all seriousness, you're going into these shops across America yeah. and you see it on their yeah. screen and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. This- I've seen that before. And I'm like, is that ProShop? They're like, yeah. yeah. And one of them was just a, right on the fence about to pull the trigger. You know, maybe Paul should run for president in 2024. He's that <laughs> I would, popular. He would have my vote, man. So go to ProShopERP.com for more information. Yep. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jason Zanger. On a Friday afternoon... In downtown Chicago. In downtown Chicago. Feels good to be back here at MXD. I always appreciate you coming all the way out here to the city of Chicago, Jim, so that you can make my commute to the studio easier. You definitely have it a little bit to your advantage, I will say. It's going to be a little painful of a drive on the way home. I thought you were going to stay overnight tonight, no? No, 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 no. My wife would not like that. You don't want to come to my house and have a sleepover? No, no, I don't want to do that either. That sounds like misery, quite frankly. With all those kids, I did that 20 years ago. I want to go home and have a glass of wine, not have kids jump off. I've got a dog now. I think it's great what you're doing with your family. It's just not for me right now. It does feel good to be back here at MXT. You know what? With the recent opening them up of all the businesses, I think people are just ready to get on with life again. My neighborhood's hopping. I live not very far from Wrigley Field in the Southport Corridor area, and it is just hopping and people are out and having a good time. And I can now go to the park with my kids and not wear a mask, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's very exciting. I noticed when I was at your shop just recently that you have a sign that specifically says masks are not required. <laughs> so I rescinded the mask mandate Wednesday. Last week, the CDC said if you've been fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear it. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. And we told our team masks are optional in our office. If you want to wear a mask when you're walking around, wear a mask. If you'd rather the person you're talking to wear a mask, just politely ask them to put on a mask. And everybody's been cool as far as that goes. And it's working well. I could get into it, but I'm not. I just think it's great. At my weekly production meetings, I know I've done episodes on what I do. I looked back. I've done 61 COVID-19 updates for my meeting. Are you done with that? Done. I told the guys, as of this Wednesday, this week, I'm not going to report on COVID-19 anymore. So in my mind, it's over. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. So we have every Tuesday at 4 o'clock, we have what we call our team health meeting. And basically what it is, it's a meeting that I lead for everybody to get together, air their issues if they have anything. Does your team have issues? If you don't have issues, you're not running the company. It's not just airing your issues, but also we also give people pats on the back. We say, hey, you did a great job on that. 
taking care of that customer and we just won that order or we just won that proposal, whatever it is. So it's just a time for us to get together and all get on the same page. But anyway, at that meeting, I told my team, I was like, in case anybody's wondering, there's not going to be any forcing of you getting a vaccine. As the owner of the company, I'm not going to force you to do that. So I think everybody kind of sighed a relief of, yeah, we have some autonomy in this and nobody's going to pressure you to do that. I feel it's entirely up to the individual. Yeah, exactly. Me too. How are things at Zanger's Black? One of the things that's kind of making me a little bit crazy, I got to be honest, I've got three companies that was kind of in the purview of my wife and I. There's Zenger's, Black, and Making Chips. Uh It's kind of getting to be too much. So my wife and I are having discussions of how do we consolidate between Zenger's and Black since they're very similar in what they do so that we can have some synergies and really just kind of like move forward in a united front. So those kind of discussions are going on. And then on a personal level, because I'm going to keep talking about myself, so we don't have time to get to you. And that's fine. Is it though, Jim? Are you sure? I'm not going to cry. I want to talk about Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. Why don't you tell the Making Chips community what's happening that day? We're having a celebration of manufacturing leaders. So essentially what it is, is we're going to have a party just for manufacturing leaders. I think it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be at our headquarters in Rockford, Illinois, the Making Chips headquarters, September 23rd. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to invite all of our past guests. We're going to have some drinks. We're going to have some food. We're going to do some things the next day in order to equip and inspire maybe a live podcast, maybe a mastermind. We're kind of throwing around a lot. Yeah, we're working on it now. It's going to be fun. You know, There's a hotel nearby, which is manufacturing themed. It's going to be a fun time. And it's just going to be centered on manufacturing leaders enjoying each other's company. I think we as manufacturing leaders need to celebrate our industry. Yes. Because it kind of gets the bad rap. It has years ago. It's coming out of it. It's evolving a little bit as an industry, but I still think it gets the bad rap a lot. And I think that we need to celebrate that's creating wealth for our country and wealth for ourselves. For the world. For the world. Yes. Bringing people out of poverty, all those kind of good things. I agree. What do you got for manufacturing news? You know, there's a lot of talk in the world about inflation and stuff like that. And I think to what degree is it going to be? I have no clue. I'm not an economist. It's probably one of my weakest areas of expertise. I think all signs point to some kind of inflation. The dollar has been weakening, all that kind of stuff. But there was news that the dollar actually rose on upbeat US manufacturing data. So that was kind of interesting. Manufacturing data strengthened and the dollar strengthened, which is good. The dollar was encouraged by the US manufacturing. So I think that that's really good. It says here that investors remain largely convinced that the Fed is in no hurry to pull back from its accommodative stance. So they're kind of thinking that the dollar might weaken up again, but it's still, it's encouraging to see manufacturing have that kind of an effect on... The prime lending rate's going to tick up. I was talking to my banker and he was saying another year or two is what they're thinking. Typically, history shows that if the economy's on fire and things are really, really good right now, right? And we have inflation. Interest rates go up. The reason they increase the interest rates is to slow things down, right? If they say your mortgage rate is going to be a half a percent more than it is three weeks ago, either A, they better hurry up and get things done or they're just going to cut it off. They're not going to do it. The hope is that maybe we've gotten smarter since the 80s or computer technology has helped us, You know, maybe the data that we collect and we make better decisions so that we don't have those same inflation and interest rates that we had back in the 80s. So speaking of data... We have two guests. We do have two guests. And one is a past guest, and I would like to introduce the first guest. Because we're going to talk about data. What do you do with all that data? And how do we make it actionable? And why are we collecting it? And how do we do it? And all those kind of questions. Our past guest, Akshat Tharani, 
And I know that I'm probably butchering that last name, but I'm doing my best. T-H-I-R-A-N-I. Perfect. Okay. So growing up in India, Akshat's childhood was saturated in the manufacturing industry. All of his family and friends had some part in the local manufacturing and production business. And his father raised his children, including Akshat, with a manufacturer's mindset. During his senior year in college, Akshat and some of his colleagues created the prototype tool using AI that he had dreamed of. It eventually became the answer to the machinist problems with efficient data collection. Akshat knew he needed to create a tool that would enable manufacturers to work and to live to their full potential, a tool that would help them track production time, maintenance, and the data produced by their machines, the heartbeat of the machine. We're talking about the electrical current that it produces. Now, for those manufacturing leaders out there, Akshat actually has a great story. We're not going to get into it today, but what I would encourage you is to go on makingchips.com and search Akshat, A-K-S-H-A-T, to hear his manufacturing story. Because it is compelling, it's interesting, and he goes back into the history of the product that he created. So I would encourage you, pause this episode, go back, listen to that one, and then come back into this one. That's my call to action right now. All right. You go ahead, Jim. I will. Welcome, Akshat. <laughs> good to be here. Yeah, good to see you again, man. I can't wait to talk about this episode. There's so many good things that you're bringing to the table yes. um, to equip and inspire all of us. Yeah, he's doing us. the same thing that we're doing. Akshat had brought a guest today that's going to elaborate a little bit more on data collection. And his experience. And his experiences. And his name is Charles Morley. He is the president at Schleffering Medical Systems. I know I ruined that. I'm not German. Well, maybe a little bit. Charles is with us today, along with Akshat. Charles has 15 plus years of success in a high mix, low mix to medium volume environment. He led 500 plus Kaizen events, multiple black belts in lean tools. And Charles has worked at all kinds of manufacturing companies from large like Dover and Danaher to running primarily medical device machine shop operations. He's passionate about lean manufacturing and he loves data. He did a product trial with Amper about one month ago and evaluated 16 other solutions when looking for a solution for that. Charles, welcome to Making Chips. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. This is great. And Charles, Dover and Danher. So my company, we're actually distributors for Desteco. Good Dover company. Yeah, Dover company. He's selling again. And Danaher, which, you know, Armstrong, Apex Tool Group, those kind of products. So yeah, we got some experience. They run some lean machines there. Yes, totally. You you must have helped with that. Top down, side to side, everything's lean at Danaher. Yeah. It's an impressive company. Oh, it's very true. Yeah, no doubt about it. Do you have any 5S experience? None whatsoever. Okay, good. That's okay. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You live and die by 5S. I'd like to implement that into my new facility when we get there. And I know this is way off topic, but I'm very OCD and it just seems like it'd be the perfect high for me, right? Yes. It's 5S. Yeah. Let's just get right into it. I know we said before, go back and listen to that first episode with Akshat. If you want to hear about the story of Akshat from India to the United States into manufacturing and the creation of his Amper product. But why don't we start with like definitions? I know Jim and I like to talk about acronyms. It's very intimidating. It is. All the data that, you know, data collection, what does it mean from a manufacturing point is why do we really need this? Yeah. So let's get, let's go there. But before we go there, what is, um, because Amper is an IIoT product, right? Yes, it is, but it's also not. What is IIoT and why is it is and isn't? IIoT stands for Industrial Internet of Things. I do not like that acronym. Why don't you like it? Because no one knows what it is. There you go. Because when you say of things, you know, it's kind of a weird thing to say. I agree with you. It's one of those things that people want to understand. And I think there's a lot of smoke. 
but it's stuff to see the fire. Kind of like the cloud. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's kind of like what we talk about, the cloud. So what would you consider the Amper product? Is it a device? It's tools to help drive better day-to-day decisions and help manufacturers be more lean. There are some awesome lean principles, some going back to the basics of how manufacturing plans should be run. When I look at our the technology that we build, it's pretty much to make that more sustainable, that more easy, so that you can run shop floor operations better. Beyond overcomplicating all these acronyms, it's tools to help day-to-day shop floor operations. And, and why is that important for a manufacturing leader to collect that data and to implement that type of technology? I think there are so many ways to look at it. One of those is adding value to your customers. Cost, quality, delivery, the way you really can take control of those metrics that ultimately help your customers is by focusing on the leading indicators and really making better decisions day to day. So number one, adding more value to your own customers as a manufacturer. And the other is just like internally running a plant is a pretty complex job. And the more you can simplify things and focus on the 80-20, I think ultimately there's way too many things to do. And hopefully this thing simplifies things and isolates what you should really focus on. Okay. And help drive decisions, I would assume. Yeah. No production surprises, meet your daily goals. Fully transparent, I'm utilizing a 30-day trial with Amper right now. And I have to be honest, I was suspect about it. I had no idea. I remember you told me that. You're always leery of what you don't know. And I thought, maybe it is all smoke and mirrors. I don't know. Maybe I'm just going to be overwhelmed with all this information. But quite frankly, it's very simple to install. It's very simple to review the data that you're collecting. It's in very simple language, too. There's not a lot of acronyms, and you know I hate acronyms. It's like running a very simple ERP system that you can see, you know, Jason's not really at his machine too often. He's off in the bathroom or whatever, and that spindle's not making a cut. He's over FaceTiming with his kids. And it's great because, yeah, yes. Checking TikTok again. Yes. (laughs) That's, That's Jason Zanger for sure. We're only into it for about 20 days or so, but... Just on the drive here into the city, I got some text messages that one of the machines that the technology is hooked up to has been off for 20 or 30 minutes. It's not in cut. So I know that something's going on. Now, did I react to that? No, of course, because I'm driving the car. But Ryan is there and he gets the same text message or an email saying something's not right. You're not making chips and you're not making money. Exactly. And that really is simple as it is. That's how simple it is. So I would think from talking to other manufacturing leaders about this kind of technology and that it's kind of like going to the doctor. And sometimes I wonder if there's manufacturing leaders out there who have not implemented this type of technology and they're kind of concerned about the data that I'm going to see. And I think I'm going to not like what I see. The doctor is going to be like, your cholesterol is terrible. Your blood pressure is high and you need to do something about it. Would it be that same type of thing where we've started collecting data and you need to take some action on some things? You need to do it now. Yeah, it's almost like imagine yourself as a sports coach, right, for a basketball team and only looking at the score and never looking at a game tape on like what actually was happening. Right, exactly. That's a beautiful analogy. And I, quite frankly, you know, for as small as my shop is, for the low volume stuff that we do, I got some pretty staggering numbers back already. We've got to make improvements. We haven't done anything actionable yet with the data. It's verified what we thought we knew, but I think it's worse than we thought it was. Sure. So that's what what happened. And what about for you, Charles? I assume being the lean guy and with the experience that you have, you were probably more, 
I need to implement this type of technology for my factory in order to make us better. What was your thought before you implemented Amper? My background was the fact that like a lot of the companies I worked at, we had some type of OEE system already set up on the floor. And it was kind of one of those comfort zones where I'd come in and see it. I had my dashboard. We'd have like 52-inch TV monitors mounted throughout the factory yeah. floor. Somebody spent a bag load of money, 50K or more, implementing this system. And you just kind of had a comfort zone where you could come in and you can look at it. At the time, you thought it was very helpful. You could go on your computer, on your laptop, and look at it at your desk. You thought it was very cool. When I started my new job, took a look, and I said to people, to kind of go back to your comment earlier, what I think is really dangerous is when you don't have a metric at all. And when you go ask somebody, how's your on-time delivery? Or in this case, how's your efficiency? How's your productivity? I haven't been to the doctor in 20 years. Yeah. Well, they they go something like, well, I think it's really good. I was like, well, how do you know it's really good? Well, I know know it's really good. Like, how? Well, I think the machines are running. Okay, well, which one machines are running now? That one's not running. That one's not running. And, you know, why is it not running? I, I don't know. I don't know why it's not running when they talk about in lean, you want to go out on the floor and you want to look and you want to see what's going on. That does take some time. By having something like Amper, you're able to look at it. I literally have it loaded on my phone. Being the geek that I am, I can be sitting on Saturday night at a dinner party and I can pull out my phone and I can look at it. You don't really do it. that, do you? I did it. Okay. Unfortunately. <laughs> and, One time. And, and, and then you had another martini. <laughs> I can't talk about that, but, okay. but, I, but I, did, I did text our engineering manager and he texted right back and, he, and we had a conversation Saturday night talking about OEE. You're like, this cocktail conversation is boring. I need to yeah, Well, I can't say that either. I can't say that either, but um, it was a really nice party and we had a really nice time. And the cool thing is like, even at my house, we have a little movie room in the basement, smart TV. I hooked up Amper to it and oh, I'm, you sit- didn't. <laughs> I'm sitting at home watching the OEE at yeah. eight o'clock at night on second shift. And again, I'm texting the plant manager and I'm asking you, hey, what's going on in the Mazak? Why is the Mazak only running at 38%? It's this really cool thing of visual management. You get to see real time what's going on and you get these text messages and you can understand like, why is the machine down? Oh, there's the maintenance issue. Coolant was an issue that came up. And then like another one that I think was really insightful that nobody saw coming was, hey, why is the machine idle? What's going on? Oh, we're waiting for quality to come over and do first article inspection. That's huge. And it's like, oh, wow, man, we're we're losing 10, 15 minutes just for that. I thought that was like something that was just taken care of. All these things really work really well together to give you really quick, easy, up-to-date data. Where you can make improvements. You can make improvements. You start collecting that data. You know, the thing we are always told about lean was that you use data to support all your decisions. You don't just make snap judgments because sometimes you do have an intuition about how things work and how you can make them better. But a lot of times people won't buy into it, but now you got data to back it up. And that Mm -hmm. data is invaluable because it's real time. Nobody can argue about it. It's not slanted or divided up some way to support one type of conclusion or another. It's real data and everybody gets to see. Metalworking Nation, you probably know Zometry as a digital platform where you can get custom manufacturing on demand with instant quotes. But let me tell you about something new. Now you can source high volume projects directly from Zometry suppliers. Do you have a higher volume CNC sheet, die casting, or metal printing project? Do you need to get multiple quotes from different vendors and you have time to wait to get them? Now you can get many quotes directly from the Zometry network suppliers. You have total control. You name your target price, your target lead time, and you directly communicate with suppliers to get the best deal. This is a new way to source bigger jobs different from instant quoting. You can upload your 2D or 3D files. 
So it's more than just instant quoting from Zometry. You can source high volume projects directly from the Zometry suppliers. Check it out at Zometry.com. That's X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com. For an experienced person in a shop, there is a intuition and there's a feeling that you get. And I think that there's a validity to those feelings and to the intuition. You can't just drive all of your decisions on that. So you need to say, okay, I feel like this is happening. Let me look at the data and see if it corroborates the way that I see it out on the shop floor. Exactly. You can have that intuition and people will buy into it only so much. And then after a while, they're going to start saying, like, where is he coming up with these ideas? And it's, well, here's the data to prove it. Do you ever have a conversation with that particular machinist that's running that machine and literally show them the dashboard of Amper and say, listen, that machine was only running 30% yesterday and you have nothing to back it up to say why it was only running 30% of the day. And what do they do when you approach them? Does it get confrontational? You have to kind of drive that into your culture, that accountability based on the data. I know, but to implement something like that new is because... I'm just putting myself in the machinists. So the most important thing, again, you know, something that Danaher taught me is that you start top down. My first thing was like, I thought it was a really great idea. The engineering manager thought it was a really great idea. But my biggest fear to kind of your point was, okay, I'm going to go to the plant manager. I'm going to go to the production floor manager. I'm going to go to the machinist on the shop floor. They're going to tell me to get the heck out of Dodge. Yeah, they're going to think you're micromanaging them. They're just like, hey, you're in our business way too much. Your nose is way too brown from sticking your nose where it don't belong. No, no. This is a very valid point. You're totally right. I explained to them, the whole idea here is we want to work smart. Yeah. We don't want to work hard. We don't want to work 50, 60 hours overtime every week. We want to work smart. So that means I can cut down your overtime. We'll still have to do it. Well, they want to work that out, that out overtime. But Some people want the overtime, but a lot of people, they still want to go home and spend time with their kids or watch their Netflix K-dramas or whatever. But most people, they want to do some overtime, but not so much. And it's like, so let's figure out how to work smart. So when you get home, you're not tired. You're not going to pass out. You don't have to work 60 hours every week. This is what the data is going to help us do. It's going to help us be more efficient, better workers. And realistically, in the long run, we can grow the business. We can make our jobs more stable. We can make the company more stable. And pay everybody more money. We can pay people more money and we can add more people to the business. That's where they start buying in. And so we started at the top. We started with plant management and the people directly below him. They all said yes, because they saw value in doing this. This is something that they've been wanting to do as well. They just didn't know how to do it. There were barriers. A lot of these other systems that we look at out there for OEE, there's a big investment in hardware. There's a big investment in software. You have to involve your IT department. You have to integrate into your backside of your ERP system. You want to keep it as simple as possible. The more complexity, the harder it's going to be, the more excuses there's going to be why you can't get it done. And so you get all this done, everybody buys in. And then when you go talk to the guy on the shop floor, he's not fighting with you because he knows you're there to help him. He knows you're trying to figure out what's the problem, what happened. Some of the guys on the shop floor, they're gamers. They got their game consoles at home and they're watching their OEE score on their iPads at their workstation. And they're trying to figure out how to make it go up. Thinking about my son, he's like kind of a gamer who wants to be a programmer and I'm going to eventually start pushing him towards manufacturing. But I can totally see him if he embraced something like this. It'd be a competition. It'd be a, how do I get to the next level? You Spot know? on. I mean, that's yeah. exactly what it is. They're, they're, they're like looking at it like, well, how can I do better than I did the day before? What things can I do differently? And whose help do I need to do that with? So Akshat, why don't you explain to the Metalworking Nation how simple it is to hook up your system to one of our CNCs? Just the reality of any shop floor is that you've probably bought machines of different brands over a long period of time. Sure. 
this result in like basically different ages, different brands that didn't really speak the same language to their machine's data. At Amper, what we did pretty uniquely was we looked at the electrical heartbeat. Now, every machine, when it's running, uses electricity, especially when it's cutting parts. You can see this kind of heartbeat as it's using more electricity to get material or you know, run a process. Taking that, we've kind of reduced it to about 10-minute installation. So you basically clip this sensor around the electrical wire, just clip it around it, and that's it. I mean, you basically plug the two boxes and... We don't need to hire an electrician. Nope. You just need uh, someone on a maintenance team. You put it, open the back of the door, you clip it right on the spindle wire. Yep. And you have to have Wi-Fi, right? Because that's how it communicates. Yep. Either Wi-Fi or cellular signal. It could be one or the other. Okay. Yeah, you're up and running. And what's neat is that not a lot of shops have IT teams and all that can take on servers and set up this huge infrastructure. Without any of that, you can hook up a machine from this year or from 30 years ago. It's measuring the heartbeat. It's getting this current. But what kind of data points that turn? Is it just on and off? Or is it more complex than that? That's kind of the starting point. But on top of that, we can build this model of what's actually happening on the shop floor. Let me give you an example. Your machines are down, but no one knows why. And so with Amper, what you can do is easily just tag the downtime code. So at the end of the day or end of the week, you can have a chart that shows where we're really losing time. And it can be pretty surprising, especially as you need more capacity. Sales going up. How do you kind of get more parts out of the door? Kind of having a Pareto chart to show where we're really losing time. We also have an addition on counting how many parts have been made, the cycle time. So there's a lot more context you can add to the system as well. How do you measure cycle time in parts? So that's kind of an add-on system where it measures digital current, for example. Something firing off on the machine when a part is made. So like a counter or any other device as well. One of the things one of the machinists said at the beginning, well, how does it know that the machine's on? And what if I'm taking a really light cut? It, it knows, knows when yeah. it, you're taking a cut at all. So it really does tell you when the machine is making chips. Okay, so you're collecting the data. You're essentially collecting when you're in the cut versus out of the cut. What types of decisions besides, say, efficiency can you help to drive at the company? Like, you know, our efficiency rate is this, but is there anything else that we can look at besides that? Yeah, that's a great question. Let me give you a couple of examples. You know, how do you know if you're having a good day or a bad day? Often you find out you got a hot job running, and the machine's been down for, let's say, two hours, but no one knows about it. And it's at the end of the day that you got to either let your customer know or have your employees on a Friday afternoon like this stay over time. No one likes that. What you can do is essentially escalate an issue where you can get a text message, for example. Basically get ahead of those problems and avoid production surprises. You can even compare like your part numbers. Let's say you have a target cycle time on a certain part number. Are you meeting that? You know, maybe your standards are off and maybe you need to change the way you quote or... Maybe the estimator, like me, is quoting the cycles too short. You know what I mean? Because now I've got real data of what's actually coming off the machine during that cycle time. Yeah, you're probably quoting incorrectly. I'm probably quoting it correctly because I'm pretty old school. There's another thing, too, I want to add that people may not even think of. I think it's great as a sales tool. So when I'm prospecting new customers... I want to show them the technology that I'm using, right? Because it's impressive. I show them my ERP system. I show them how that works out. To show them the dashboard from Amper that we're actually collecting real-time data, it's impressive. I, I think that you're right about that, Jim. I think yes. like when you, bring, when you bring a prospective client into your shop and you're showing them the fact that you are collecting data, you are making decisions on that data, you've got your dashboards. 
I think that shows that you're making continuous improvements to your facility. And I think if you didn't have those, that could be concerning to a prospective client. You want to differentiate yourself. And if you have three machine shops and they're all doing this, 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 and this, but you have a data collection service that you're measuring the amount of uptime that your machines are running, they're going to think, hmm, this guy's on it. This guy's has got proactive processes in place to run his shop a little bit better than the competition, right? So he's probably going to be quoting a little bit tighter because he's got the data to use to make the quotes a little tighter. I know if I was buying from somebody and they showed me that they were doing that, I'd be impressed with them because they're utilizing technology as much as they humanly can. Yep. Charles, we understand your manufacturing story and the reason why you decided that you needed to collect data is because it was just embedded in how you run a manufacturing plant. And when you came to this company, you decided that that was a road that you needed to take them down as well. What other products did you look at before you decided on Amper? Probably about 16. You said 16. Yeah, that was a lot. Jim mentioned that. Yeah. One six? Yes. He's a thorough guy. And you went with Amper? Kudos to Amper. Yeah, I know. I know. The cool thing was is that We looked at all these different systems and the engineering manager, Tom, and I kept on saying that these other systems are really cool. They have a lot of information, but this other system requires like three or four guys to sit there and run it and collect data and manipulate the data and the reports. Some of these other systems require $50,000 or $100,000 to implement. Some of the other ones is like, well, they're offshore in Europe somewhere. And it's like, if you need technical support, what goes on? You know, how do you handle all that kind of stuff? Yeah. And, you know, the cool thing about Amper that we kept on coming back to is it's easy to implement. They're in the Chicago area. They're in the same time zone as us. We don't have to worry about calling them at eight o'clock at night, you know, and trying to get information from them. And then they also assign an account manager to us or a project manager who actually works with us to figure out projects to help us improve our efficiency. None of the other guys offer that. All the other guys are pretty much, you know, here's the hardware, here's the software. Once a year, we'll do an update for you or a maintenance review, and then that's it. Those guys probably don't really understand manufacturing. They probably don't know it intimately like the guys from Amper do. I do think the guys from Amper, the team that he has, that uh, Akshat has put together, is a really great bunch of guys that really understand what manufacturing is all about, and they can support it, and they understand what the challenges are. That's why they have these project managers that are so helpful. I think the guys that sell the other systems are really good. There's good people with manufacturing backgrounds. But to your point, they're not in it day by day. Akshat's team is in it day by day, helping customers just like us figure out how to use the system better. Two other things I'd like to add to go back to the point you asked them earlier about what other things does Amper offer as part of the system, in addition just to efficiency, is it can help you with preventative maintenance. I haven't seen that type of information yet. How would it help you with preventative maintenance? The basic understanding I have of preventative maintenance is if you're running a spindle and every 50,000 hours changing of the coolant, okay, you can go in there and you can record, you know, I've run the spindle 50,000 hours, but maybe you say at 45, I'm going to go ahead and change the coolant instead of waiting till 52 or maybe until something happens. Yep. Now you can start setting up reminders inside the system. Well, I guess you could even do that for like changing your carbide. If you know that the carbide on your indexable cutter is going to wear out within 90 minutes or whatever the case may be, then you could set it up that you're going to flip those carbides in 80 minutes. Index, you can call them flip, but yes, machine shop floor people say flip it. Flip, it. flip that insert. Flip it over. <laughs> Charles, you impressed me with your lean knowledge and Um, I want to ask you a question about lean. So how does it relate to lean in your shop? 
relates to lean, I think, in two significant ways. One is visual management is a really key component of lean, where you're able to see what's going on, understand what's going on, and you want to make the way of seeing that as easy as possible. Amper does that. We got monitor in our conference room. Whenever we have our morning manufacturing meeting, the monitor's right there with all the OE data on it. All the operators on the floor have it. So first thing is visual, and then the second thing is data. You got all this data to back up all the decisions that you want to make, like you just talked about with the tool change or rotating the carbide tip. It's data-driven. You know, now I can sit there and say, well, should I change it at 50,000 cuts or should I change it at 42? Should I change it at 80? Now I got data. Now I can run my data and sit there and say, well, you know what? Now I'm not relying on somebody's intuition or lifelong experience. That's great. You want that as an input into the system. But now you got data to back it up and you could kind of fine tune it a little bit. So as the lean production system teaches you, you want to do it before it fails, not when it fails or after. You want to do it before. This helps you do that. So Charles, we've talked about a lot, the dashboards and the collecting of the data, but how is it specifically transformed the business? What it basically allows us to do is it allows us to set aside time to do preventative maintenance so we can preventing uh, surprise shutdowns of machines. It helps us with enhancing our scheduling so we have a higher confidence level in the, with the schedules that we put together. It helps us cut down on the setup times or the changeover times between machines. So it cuts down on our lead time for servicing our biggest and primary customer who's GE Healthcare. It's helped us significantly move in that direction. Do you use some of the data in like your KPIs and stuff like that in, in your business that you're reviewing on? Our- it's reviewed on a daily basis. It's sitting right in the, uh, the, the main conference room where we have all our meetings every day to talk about performance. Aksha, I would imagine, and you know, obviously I've been educated now in this episode, to try to get into collecting data is like just this onerous thing. I would think, you know, like what you said, Charles, $50,000, I need to put somebody on my staff, but it sounds like the barriers of entry are pretty low. Is that correct? Yes. One word. Yes. You clip this on, it takes you 10 minutes and you get started. You know, in the previous episode too, like I grew up in manufacturing all my life. Who here doesn't want to try things? Some people don't want change though. Some people do not embrace change. That's true. You got to go to the doctor. One of the big things with just the way we wanted to operate as a business was bringing a system like this is a big change. It changes the culture. It changes the kinds of conversations that you have. And I think it's asking too much for any manufacturer to just kind of go all out without kind of knowing what they're getting into. And so one of the things that we introduced was basically a trial program. You just like hook it up to two machines, let your team really understand what is it that they're getting into, how does the technology work, is it going to be a 10-minute install or is it going to be you know, a five-hour install? Like Who knows that, right, Like without seeing it firsthand? In terms of the barrier to entry, you know, an amper, just try it out on like two machines and take it for a spin before you necessarily have to commit. Obviously, if you're into it, like, you know, go for it. It's super easy, Jason. It comes in a nice box. It's got good instructions. And it does become, like you said before, Charles, a cultural experiment with your team. And I think that just the fact that you can go to your team and say, hey, look, guys or gals, we want to get better. And this is one way for us to really take a giant leap forward. And it's not going to cost us anything. We got a free trial period. And what do we have to lose here? Yeah. Trying to connect with the reality of your shop. Do you really know what's happening? It's a pretty easy way to like just connect with that. At, at minimum, instead of having someone kind of stand in front of a machine and kind of log notes like a process engineer or industrial engineer, this does it automatically. Like what percentage shops are not collecting? 80%? Oh, more. I would say 90. 90%. And maybe more, maybe 95%. Yeah. So the, for those manufacturing leaders out there that are listening, you're not alone in, in that you're not collecting data. So take the first step 
You've got nothing to lose. So how do they take advantage of the guarantee? Well, they go to your website, which is amper.xyz, right? The navigation says 30-day trial. Yep. I believe it's amper.xyz slash try. Okay, T-R-Y. Yeah, you can just sign up over there for a trial. Oh, I like this. Yeah, Amper 30-day free pilot program. It does come in a nice little box. It does. Pilot kit instructions, pilot installation card. It's first class. I would just say for the manufacturing leaders out there, you have nothing to lose here. Go to amper.xyz slash try and give this a try. You got to move yourselves from the 90% to the 10%. There's so much more demand. There's need for capacity. There's it's almost impossible to hire skilled machinists for most. You know, when you look at like how do I increase capacity? How do I do more with my existing team, with my existing machines that cost millions of dollars? It's surprising when you look at the reality. And there's so many low-hanging fruits. Jimmy mentioned, you know, in its inspection, it could be a material uh, process issue. Could be cooling. It could be a broken tap. It could be anything. But if you have the data, at least you've got something to go off of. Otherwise, you're just guessing. Well, I think he told me that this or that, you know. No, now we know it. It's in real time. Akshat, Charles, thank you for being here. We appreciate you educating us. I've definitely learned a lot. I'm going to talk to some of my clients about getting on board with this too, because they need to. I want them to run a better shop. And if they're not collecting data, they have some improvements that they can make. And Jim, I'm surprised it took you this long to get to this point. You know, I guess you had a lot of things going on. There's a lot going on, but really, and I kind of delegated this to somebody else anyway. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we all know that this is going to help us make more chips. Yeah. And if you're not collecting data and you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips Podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution. And many of them are at makingchips.com.